Great job, kids. I enjoyed that. I've enjoyed everyone who had a part of the service. I have to admit, it was uh, the second congregational, just from where I was sitting, singing down there. Uh, I could hear, you know, Sammy leading the singing. So we had a teen leading the singing. I could hear some children around singing and adults singing. And it was just, uh, it was special. I'm sure you uh, could probably hear many kids, teens, and adults singing as well. And it's just fun worshiping together with our church. It's fun worshiping together, whatever generation we're in. And uh, so glad for our next generation service. Certainly appreciate everyone who's had a part, uh, many up here, uh, whether they were uh, nervous about that or excited, and uh, many behind the scenes. It was this morning, once uh, Sunday school had to be canceled, that uh, Hot Rod and Tanner and I, we were up top there during part of Sunday school time, and uh, Tanner was uh, refreshing himself since the last time he's live streamed a service. A couple things have changed. Facebook keeps changing things, and I don't know why. But uh, so Tanner wanted just a refresher real quick, and uh, he's live streaming the service tonight, and uh, Hot Rod's up there running the PowerPoint, Joel on the sound, and just appreciate everyone who's involved up front and behind the scenes. Just been a good day. It's just been good to be here. It was fun to be able to be in the King's Kids workers meeting this morning and just see so many who are eager to, to get involved or, or to stay involved or to become involved, be more involved, and uh, just excited to invest into children's lives. And, uh, and our teen workers on Wednesdays, I wish you could see so many teens. I think at least some of them are excited to talk to me or Jen, but uh, so many of the other workers, they'll, they'll go up to as well and be excited to talk to them and just so much in being invested into these teens' lives. And it's just such a privilege to be a part of it. Well, tonight we're looking at a message called Living for Jesus at the Speed of Life. I was going to admit where I came across that expression, the speed of life, most recently, but I don't remember. I think it was on an advertisement, but uh, I think you can relate. Life gets a little speedy sometimes. Life gets a little busy. Uh, please do pay attention to my message, but if you can make those pictures out and want to see how many of those activities you can relate to, feel free. I can also get it closer to you later if you want, but a lot of just life activities it was early in my youth ministry, a friend of mine encouraged me uh, that when I was preaching to teenagers specifically, to try to use as many real people, real life personal examples as I could, because teens can really relate to that. And I think we really all can. And now Jesus is the perfect, you know, flesh and blood, skin on, you know, you know an example of Bible illustration with skin on him uh, that we can have. But tonight we're looking at two people that really embody living for Jesus no matter where life took them, no matter where God took them, no matter where they were, they would just be such servants of God. And that's the couple, Aquila and Priscilla. And so we get a little bit of flesh and bone illustration from their lives. But I will say this, up until about two hours ago, I didn't know Andrew and Anna Smith were going to be here. So if you want just a little extra, what would, Andrew, what would Aquila and Priscilla look like in 2022. I think they are a pretty good flesh and blood example of that as well as they are heading soon to the mission field. I think it was just the other day the visas came in and all of that. We're excited to have them with us tonight. I don't think they knew I was preaching either, so they might have found a different way to be here if they did, but we're glad to have them with us. But I'm glad to look into this example from the Bible. They were busy people. There's not a ton said about them in Scripture, We'll look at at least most of it tonight, but it never says, and Aquila and Priscilla took a break, or life got really leisurely. No, they're always busy, always working. They were busy people, but with right priorities. Things changed for them pretty constantly, actually. 
but the most important things never did. Now, we'll be in Acts 18 in just a moment, but let me, as you're turning to Acts 18, also read Romans 16, verse 3. Apostle Paul challenging the, the Romans there to greet Priscilla and Aquila, my helpers in Christ Jesus, who have for my life laid down their own necks, unto whom not only I give thanks, but also the churches of the Gentiles. They went through ups and downs, highs and lows. We'll see some of that right away in Acts 18. But they were constantly willing to live for their Savior, to live for Jesus, even at the speed of light, even at the speed of life, excuse me. Reminds me of some friends of mine. I first met them when uh, the husband was traveling for a Christian college. He came to the Christian school I was a teacher at. I'd gone there in Pennsylvania all my life as well. But uh, he was traveling for the college, preaching in chapel services, really very much he and his wife serving the Lord. Well, they had done that for a few years, and as, as he put it, they were ready to settle down and do life with some people. And he became the youth pastor at the church I was at, and now God has moved him to New York State, and uh, he is a senior pastor there. Life has moved them around quite a few times. Maybe for you it's not a geographic move, it's just this change or that change. But we see this over and over where people will choose, individually or as a couple, to serve the Lord to live for Jesus, even at the speed of light of life. And we'll take a look at four specific things from the life of Aquila and Priscilla after we pray. Let's pray. Father God, thank you for giving us real people in the Bible that we can learn from. Thank you for so many examples in our own lives that we can learn more about you from seeing how they live for you. But thank you for the testimony of Aquila and Priscilla. Pray that you'll bless our time in your word, and may we see from their example how we can live more for you, even at the speed of life, how it gets so busy and there's so many things competing for our time. You may move us, you may keep us right where we're at, you may have us in this job or that job, you may grow our family or not, you may do this or that, but I pray that no matter what happens, we will live for you. No matter how busy life gets, we'll focus on you. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. First of all, wherever they went, Aquila and Priscilla encouraged others. Again, not really a deep message by any stretch. Not at all deep theology, very applicable. All four of these things are things I hope we will be able to take a look at through the scripture and say, okay, I think I've got that. Wow, God, please help me grow in that area. They were an encouragement everywhere they went. I think you'll see that throughout the whole message. I'm not going to steal my whole text going through every part of it, but every part of it, really, they're an encouragement to others. But in Acts chapter 18, starting in verse 1, it says, After these things, Paul departed from Athens and came to Corinth. So Paul's new in town there, and found a certain Jew named Aquila, born in Pontus, lately come from Italy with his wife Priscilla, because that Claudius had commanded all Jews to depart from Rome, and came unto them. And because he was of the same craft, he abode with them, and wrought. For by their occupation, they were tent makers. So they were able to do some work together. But as we'll see throughout the message, they're really able to do some great ministry they, together as well. And you can tell, even just from that first glimpse into their lives, that just working together with Paul in tent making, working together with Paul in ministry, they're able to be an encouragement to the Apostle Paul. I don't know how many people Paul won to the Lord because he was able to keep going because of their encouragement. But I bet you in heaven we asked the Apostle Paul, he's going to say it was quite a few. They, they weren't always, they, they weren't often the upfront people. Now, there's a place for that, absolutely. But they were people who were just willing 
to be an encouragement. Do you think tomorrow, do you think tonight, you might be around someone who's discouraged? Yes, <laughs> I'm sure. If you're at home alone tomorrow and you're around nobody else, you'll probably still be around one person who's discouraged because you're home and alone with nobody else around. We all need to be an encouragement to others. It was amazing to me, and I'll just brag anonymously on a, on a couple in our church here. Uh, Ms. Jen put on Facebook, I think it was Thursday, that uh, we were going to go on a date. Hey, where should we go? We, we love going out for Valentine's Day. Not on Valentine's Day, watching a bunch of gushy couples stare at each other. I don't know. You, you go out when you want there. But uh, she put it out there looking for restaurant recommendations. Well, one couple not only recommended a, res a restaurant, but once they found out that's where we picked, they called ahead and paid for our meal. And they tried to remain anonymous, but uh, the gentleman at the uh, restaurant didn't understand them as well as they had hoped. But uh, so just thanks there. But just... I, I hate to call that a small thing. It was, it was kind of a big deal, but somewhat of a small thing maybe, but just such a huge encouragement. Also, brag on Holly. She took care of our girls while uh, we were there. The girls, I'll admit, were, uh, were acting up a little bit before we left. Now, Holly said they were just like perfect angels for her, so apparently Holly's coming to watch our kids often. Sorry, Holly, you just got drafted. But man, so many things, and I, I won't even try to go over everything in the last month that people have done to be an encouragement to me and my family, because I'll forget 10 things, because so many people do so much. But I love with Aquila and Priscilla, even when they were facing mistreatment, they still encouraged others. Do you ever feel like once everything is rosy, once everything is easy, once you feel really encouraged, then you'll be an encouragement to others? I've felt that way. And then other times, by God's grace, he's led me to say, okay, Kent, start encouraging, and you'll get encouraged. And I found that to work pretty well. If I'm discouraged, the best thing I can do, one of the best things, is to just encourage other people. And that's what they did here. Notice in verse 2, we read it a moment ago. This is where Paul says, And found a certain Jew named Aquila, born in Pontus, lately come from Italy, uprooted. Now, I'd love to go to Italy. This wasn't a vacation trip with his wife Priscilla because that Claudius had commanded all Jews to depart from Rome. Basically, half a sentence. They got kicked out of their home. They probably lost most of what they owned, just what they could carry. I mean, this is not good circumstances. I'm sure Aquila and Priscilla are discouraged, and yet they're an encouragement to Paul. But Paul got encouragement and I guarantee you, so did Aquila and Priscilla. Verse 3, because he was of the same craft, he abode with them and wrought for the, by their occupation. They were tent makers. I don't know if they knew anybody. I don't know if they moved with anybody they knew. We, we don't know. But here now they've got Paul to work with professionally and in ministry. And really for them, it's all tied together. Anywhere they go, they're doing the Lord's work. They're doing everything they can. 2 Timothy 4.19, just another verse about Aquila and Priscilla. It says, salute uh, Priscilla, or Priscilla and Aquila and the household of Anesiphorus. So he's challenging there, Paul, challenging Timothy there to salute them because they're still being an encouragement. Read this quote this week. Flatter me, and I may not believe you. Criticize me, and I may not like you. Ignore me, and I may not forgive you. Encourage me and I will not forget you. And how many of us, without trying, can think of someone who was a big encouragement to us, maybe just in daily life or maybe in a specific trial, and it meant so much. Again, Paul, always on the road, always traveling, missionary journeys here, going through a lot constantly. I bet you we don't even know the half of it. 
and got that encouragement from Aquila and Priscilla so many times. They got to be an encouragement to him. He encouraged them. I sure hope that that's something we'll do for each other on Sundays and Wednesdays, but I sure hope that's something we'll do outside of Sundays and Wednesdays as well. I hope it'll be a 24-7 thing where we'll just try to be an encouragement to each other. Aquila and Priscilla seemed content to help Paul be effective in the spotlight. They didn't even seem to want the credit. They didn't, I don't see anywhere in scripture where they're like, hey, this is what we did. It's Paul saying, this is what they did. 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 And so often it's an encouraging ministry where they're helping him go farther. We'll we'll talk about it just a bit later, but there's at least twice they had a church in their house. House church there, common back in those days especially. I don't know if Aquila preached or not. I I don't know if he was the teacher. But I do know they had somewhat of an upfront ministry hosting this church. It was never about whether they were up front or behind. They were going to encourage. They were going to help others nonstop no matter what. And what a privilege. They're going to get moved. They're going to go through hard times. And they're always going to be an encouragement. I would challenge you. Maybe you're thinking, like I said a bit ago, that you're way too discouraged to keep going. Try encouraging people this week. Just set that as your goal. I've had to do that before, where I'm just, man, I don't, I don't know how to get out of this discouragement. I, I can't shake it. It just won't go away. It won't stop. It keeps coming back. You know, I go to sleep. I forget about it. I wake up. It's still there. And I just put my focus, by God's grace, on encouraging others. I've never been more encouraged in my life than those times when I did that. It's just such an amazing thing. Acts 18, verse 4, the next verse, that's about Paul. It says, and he reasoned in the synagogue every Sabbath and persuaded the Jews and the Greeks. Aquila and Priscilla might have gone with them every time. They're working together as tent makers. They might never have gone with them in that part. I don't think they cared. They were there to do ministry along with Paul and later without Paul. And they were willing to do what they could anywhere they went. Second, we see that Aquila and Priscilla were willing to go. And that's something we should all be. Now, maybe God calls us to go. Maybe God calls us to stay. And that's actually the next point that we'll get to in a moment is they were willing to stay. But they were willing to go wherever. It didn't matter. Jesus was going with them. If they're here, they're going to serve Jesus. God moves them over there. They're going to serve Jesus. Didn't matter. Things are good. They're going to serve Jesus. Things are bad. They're going to serve Jesus. Things are busy. They're going to serve Jesus at the speed of life. So in Acts 18, after verse 4, Paul does some ministry, and you can read all about it, but he really faced some difficult circumstances in which I'm sure Aquila's and Priscilla's encouragement meant a lot. But we're going to pick back up with Aquila and Priscilla in Acts 18, verse 18. Again, some awesome stuff happens right then, but we'll pick back up with their story in verse 18. It says, and Paul, after this, after some hard ministry that he went through, tarried there, he had a good while, isn't that cool? He went through hard stuff in ministry and stayed. He was willing to go. God told him to stay, so he stayed. And then God's going to tell him to go. It says, and then took his leave of the brethren and sailed thence into Syria, and with him Priscilla and Aquila, having shorn his head in Sincrea, for he had made a vow. Everywhere they went, they lived for God. Even at the speed of busy life, they had a good thing going, but they were willing to go anywhere for God. And no matter where they went, they lived for Jesus. A couple of thoughts under this. First of all, be the kind of person the Apostle Paul would want to take. 
I don't know if you really try to be the person that Andrew and Anna would want to take. I don't know if they had to spend a while getting visas. I don't know if they could swing taking you here soon as they head to the mission field. He's a good pilot, though. I mean, you know, get on the plane there, and I don't know. But at the same time, let's be the kind of person that we're encouraging others. We're the kind of person that's willing to go, that's willing to serve where we are no matter what, so that others want to serve with us. And we're an encouragement in that way as well. It said that when Adoniram Judson graduated from college and seminary, he received a call from a fashionable church in Boston, well-to-do church, would have been an honorable pastorate, to become its assistant pastor. Everyone congratulated him. His mother and sister rejoiced that he could live at home with them and do his life work. But Judson shook his head. My work is not here, he said. God is calling me beyond the seas to stay here even to serve God in his ministry. I feel it would be only partial obedience, and I could not be happy in that. Although it cost him a great struggle, he left his mom and his sister to follow this heavenly call. And Judson's churches in Burma have uh, had 50,000 converts, and the influence of his consecrated life is felt around the world. Doesn't go by Burma anymore, but that impact is still going on there. And just an amazing, amazing testimony. God's not calling all of us to go. But God is calling all of us to be willing. And I hope we will constantly be willing. By the way, if you're like, I sure hope I am willing to serve God if he calls me to go. Best way to tell is, are you serving God where you're at right now? They serve God here. Then God called them there. And they serve God there. It's just such a remarkable, remarkable couple. Let's be willing to make personal sacrifices and changes to be able to go if God calls it. As one writer puts it, it's not a question of being willing to go straight through, but of going straight through. Not a question of saying, Lord, I will do it, but of doing it. There must be the reckless committal of everything to him with no regard for the consequences. If God's calling us, let's put it into action. And I've had that in my notes for a few days, knowing what Sammy was going to share tonight. Sammy put it into action right now, and I love that. He not only led singing, but talked about his call to do even more in the future. I love that. Well done, Sammy. The third, Aquila and Priscilla, again, they were willing to go, but they were willing to stay. Acts 18, 19, and he, Paul, came to Ephesus and left them there, but he himself entered into the synagogue and reasoned with the Jews. Everywhere they went, they were willing to stay. Aquila and Priscilla, they ultimately followed Christ, not Paul. Now, they encouraged him, they helped him, but they got to minister alongside with Paul. And then when they were away from Paul, they got to serve and minister away from Paul. Not the main thrust of the message. And I do hope you have some mentors, some spiritual uh, giants in your life that you look up to, whether famous people or, or people right here, people in your family, people that you know. But if they stop serving the Lord, will you? I hope not. Will I? I hope not. Uh, you often hear about like mega church pastors and other well-known leaders that fall into sin and this and that. And I'm always heartbroken over it. I'm disappointed. My, my heart aches for the churches, the church that's affected. But it doesn't really affect me because I'm, I'm not serving them. I'm not doing what they're doing. I'm serving Christ. And it just seems like in the last few years, there have been several well-known, some men I look up to, I had look up, looked up to that have really fallen into horrible sin. And apparently it had been going on for a little while doesn't affect my relationship with God. I'm going to keep serving Christ. Paul didn't fall into sin, but whether Paul was there or not, they were willing to keep following him. I thought this was interesting, an interesting illustration. 
uh, about willingness. Willingness is essentially the willingness to grow, a distaste for ruts, eagerly standing uh, on tiptoe for a better view of what tomorrow brings. A man once bought a radio, brought it home, put it on top of the refrigerator, plugged it in, tuned it to his favorite station, and then pulled the knobs off. Apparently, that was the only station he ever wanted to listen to. Now, we don't need to search for something else, something better, unless God is directing us to do so. Let's just get so busy serving God that we pull the knobs off and say, God, you move me if you want. I'm just going to be busy serving you. I'm going to be focused right there. It's amazing how we'll become people followers. Silly, simple illustration, and I don't really care about this, but how many people were Patriots fans? Until good old Tom Brady got traded. And now maybe they're still rooting for the page. I don't even know. I guess he's retired. It was like one day I heard he was retiring, and then the next day I heard he was coming back. I, I don't even know what Tom Brady's doing, and I don't really care. And I really don't care if uh, you stick with your NFL team or couldn't care less what happens in the NFL, or maybe you're just glad the season's over. That's fine, too. But so many people I've known... Their, their relationship with God is all about what this other person is doing. Let's get so in love with God that we want to be around people who are serving him and we allow them to invest in us, but we're ultimately investing in them too and we're ultimately serving Christ. I'm so amazed. Aquila and Priscilla, yes, were willing to, stay, to go, but they were also willing to stay. Let's look at this last point. Aquila and Priscilla were willing to equip others. They were willing to encourage others. And that's a part of this as well. But they were willing to do their part to equip others. For theirs, especially in the example I'm going to look at right here, primarily, it was to an individual. Who are you investing in? Who are you helping to learn the Bible more? The need is great, would we agree? And you might be like, well, I'm not a preacher. I'm not a Sunday school teacher. All I could do is, is talk to the people in my life. Great. That might have more impact you one-on-one -on -one with somebody than me or Pastor John or any preacher preaching and preaching and preaching. Ooh, but it's both. They get to hear their pastor preach or their youth pastor preach and have individuals pouring into them. That's powerful. We pick up in verse 24 of Acts 18. It says, And a certain Jew named Apollos, you might recognize that name, born at Alexandria, an eloquent man and mighty in the scriptures, came to Ephesus. This man was instructed in the way of the Lord. And being fervent in the spirit, he spake and taught diligently the things of the Lord, knowing only the baptism of John. And he began to speak boldly in the synagogue, whom when Aquila and Priscilla had heard, they took him unto them and expounded unto him the way of God more perfectly. This was a guy that didn't know everything that they knew. It's a guy that hadn't had the Apostle Paul directly teaching them for a while. This was a guy that was teaching everything he knew. He was doing everything he could to be used by God. And they were willing to spend time investing in him. I'm sure they were an encouragement to him, but they were willing to equip him, do their part to help. Who am I equipping? Who are you? I hope there are people in our family, in our church, even outside, as the Lord allows, that we are helping in these ways. They not only were willing to help an individual, who really did more in ministry than they did, but they were willing to help a group of believers. In Romans 16, we read verse 3 a while ago at the beginning of the message, but it says, Greet Priscilla and Aquila, my helpers in Christ Jesus, who have for my life laid down their own necks, unto whom not only I give thanks, but also all the churches of the Gentiles. Likewise, greet the church that is in their house. Salute my beloved, my well-beloved, 
Eponidas, who is the first fruits of Achaia unto Christ. Just a little sentence there in verse 5. Likewise, greet the church that is in their house. Again, I don't know if Aquila taught, preached. I, I, I don't know. Or if it was just, hey, you, you want to have a church? You want to teach some believers? You want to do that in my house? I, I don't know. But they were willing to do their part, whether it was up front or not. I don't think they cared. Just do whatever they could to help others learn more about God and to be equipped with uh, for him. 1 Corinthians 16, verse 19, you don't have to turn there, but it says, The churches of Asia salute you. Paul talking about them again. Aquila and Priscilla salute you much in the Lord with the church that is in their house. Wherever they go, they're wanting to be used by God to help people see Jesus more. And it's just an amazing, amazing testimony. It's an amazing flesh and blood challenge to me to have that be my life everywhere I go, everything I go through. Can it be something that I allow God to use to help others see him more, to learn more about him? Such an amazing consistency with these two. They were working with people living for Jesus at the speed of life. And it can be difficult. It's often not nice, neat, and tidy and organized, but it's always worth it. I've always liked Proverbs 14.4. I remember this as a uh, teacher and uh, in youth ministry as well. It says, where no oxen are, the crib is clean, but much increase is by the strength of the ox. A whole lot easier to keep an ox crib clean if you don't have any oxen. I would joke as a teacher that teaching would be really easy except for the students. And uh, I think Ms. Jen would often chime in, no, it's the parents. And we had some wonderful parents that we got to teach their students uh, when we were school teachers. But uh, a couple, not, not, not as much. But even then, even when it was messy, even when it was difficult, there was impact to be had. And, and to all teachers, I mean, thank you. You do so much in ministry. Imagine whether it's a Sunday school class. Imagine whether it's a game you're leading, a group you teach, anything. Whether it's people you clean up after. Boy, get rid of the people, pretty easy. Doesn't take much work at all. And it also accomplishes nothing. Ministry can get messy. It got messy for Aquila and Priscilla, but they kept at it, and God used them in some amazing ways. I wanted to share this story that I read along these same lines. It says, sometimes life is a mess. As the author, he says, as I sit in my own office, you can barely see the top of my desk. And just about every available flat surface is cluttered with some books or papers of some sort. Sermons to preach, classes to teach. My office desk is not that messy. It's not perfect, but it's not this messy. But he says, classes to teach, meetings to prepare for, schedules to keep. My office sometimes resembles the aftershocks of an F3 tornado is how he describes it. Maybe your life looks a lot like my office. You just can't keep up with all the demands. Speed of life gets speedy. You can't tidy up all the clutter. You can't organize all the tasks, stacks of paper to be filed, toys to trip over, dishes to wash, laundry overflowing the hamper, to-do lists that seem endless. Sometimes life can just get jumbled and untidy. Sometimes life is a mess. He says, now I certainly don't want to discourage tidiness. He says, and I'm not one to dispute the old adage, cleanliness is next to godliness. He does say, I'm thankful that one's not in the Bible, though. But maybe we can look at our own messy lives through different lenses. And instead of being filled with panic, we can be filled with praise. He says, I don't own a manger. I've never raised an animal, is what he says. But it's common sense that if you do raise animals and rely on them to get work done, then you're bound to have a mess or two to clean up. A clean manger may be nice, but without the messy oxen, you're not going to get much work done. 
No messes mean no work. No messes mean no crops. And applying that verse, as I often love to in my own heart, to spiritual lives, to every opportunity we have, you might think it didn't go well. Might have gone exactly how God wanted. It's not doing anything. And maybe five years from now, that seed you're planting will bear fruit. And how many people witness to someone, think the person completely rejected, and then two hours later, they're kneeling down and accepting Christ? And we might not even know about it. Or the next time someone witnesses to them, that fruit bears seed and, and grows in their lives. Let's take our sometimes messy lives and live them for Jesus, even at the speed of life. I love how Aquila and Priscilla are constantly mentioned together, constantly living for Jesus at the speed of life. No doubt doing these types of encouraging and equipping even for each other. Let's find people we can do life with like that. And let's focus on being that kind of person. Kind of person the Apostle Paul would want to take us on a missions trip, would want to take us with him somewhere he, go, he went. I've heard in dating advice of the teens, I uh, hear me say this often, uh, going through a book on, on dating advice, I realized this morning that I had my, my lesson, my keynote presentation up on the screen in the teen room, which is where some people that, that came early before they knew Sunday school was canceled uh, ended up gathering. And there's uh, Brother Harry, Miss Terry McGregor, who I think have been married longer than I've been alive, and I've got slides up about dating advice. I said, if I were actually going to teach this, I think I'd hand it over to you, Brother Harry, and just let you go for it. But uh, they often hear me say this to the teens, and it's from Pastor Jim Shetler. Don't look for the right one. Be the right one, and you'll find the right one. And so often for us, we're like, man, why doesn't someone encourage me? Why doesn't someone pour into me? You start doing it. Watch who God brings your way. I wonder if the Apostle Paul ever wondered some of those same things, and he just kept at it, and God sent him Aquila and Priscilla. Amazing, amazing opportunities as we'll do this. Let's pray, and then I'm going to hand the service back to Pastor John. Let's pray. Father God, you're so good to us. Even if no one around us is encouraging us, you are. And I pray that we'll tap into that. You equip us in so many ways, and you give us godly examples like Aquila and Priscilla and certainly the Apostle Paul in the Word of God. I pray that we'll be willing to stay, willing to go, willing to do whatever you want us to do. But above all, We'll do the ministry you have for us, every opportunity you give us. We'll look for opportunities and not miss them. I pray that each of us will go out of here this week and be an encouragement to someone and equip them in your word and in the knowledge of you every chance you give us. We thank you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Pastor John.